Well, good morning again, everyone. And I want to say good morning and welcome, not only to those of you who are here in our contemporary worship service, but greetings, good morning, welcome to worship to those of you who are joining us via video. If you're in our traditional sanctuary or online or on TV, I'm really glad you guys are here. I'm glad we had this opportunity, all of us to be connected together, to learn from God's word together, to grow together in the way of life in Jesus Christ. Hey, just a little poll I want to start with this morning. How many people are going to plan to be at, are you going to the Vikings game today? Is anybody going? No, a couple people, so mostly we're a church for smart people, it looks like. So that's really good. No offense to you all. Strong people, I mean, strong people back there. God bless you. Keep warm. Be safe out there. It's, uh, it's a little invigorating, isn't it, this morning? Uh, if you're far away watching right now, it's winter in Minnesota. It's a little chilly. Hey, you've heard this morning in our service here already that we are starting a new series today called Restored. And I've been looking forward to this series for a long time already, probably close to a year. I'll tell you a little bit more about that a little later in the message. Many of you have seen some of our promos for this. We're learning in this series, this is a journey that we're engaging in together, beginning now and going on for months, probably most of this year. We're gonna be engaging in a journey together of God restoring our lives from the brokenness that many, have experienced, many of us experience. You know, one of the great things when we get to know God in Jesus Christ is that we meet a God who is not a God of guilt and shame, who's only there for the good people or the smart people or the strong people, but God is a God of incredible grace. We meet a God who meets us right where we are, loves us right where we are. But unfortunately, a lot of us get stuck right there as if God's love weren't gonna transform our lives, but was just gonna leave us in the messes where he finds us. We don't actually live lives that grow in love and grow in grace and joy and power. We don't experience the new life that Jesus invites us into. We never really experience being restored. This series is a journey of restoration. There's a, a few people in the congregation here who have some hobbies that I thought would help us picture, get a little visual image of being restored. Suzanne and Katie are two friends of mine in this church. They have a little furniture restoration hobby. This is a picture of some furniture they restored. You can see on the left side there, not looking so great, and it's not just trick photography. It's actually a piece of furniture. On the right side, you see, boy, they did some work on that, made it look beautiful. You can put it in your home. They beautified that thing, and it went from being kind of broken down to being restored. Any of you car people, do you like old cars, restoration? Here's a picture of an old broken down Triumph. This was, that's ugly, isn't it? That was, this car is, was restored by my own brother-in-law, Mark Hendrickson. He found it in the shape that it was on top, stripped it all the way down as you see it on the bottom. Because sometimes to be restored takes a little stripping down process. And then you can see on the next set of pictures, that's ah, a lot better looking, isn't it? Restoration takes what is in there, what Mark saw, there was beauty in that car, and what's the purpose for it, and bring it out. Speaking of beautiful, look at the bride in that car. Do you see that woman in there? Yeah, we put the rearview mirror in front of the groom, because that's me. You don't want to see his face. But Amy and I got to drive away from our wedding in that car just a few years ago, a little long time, getting to be a longer time ago now. When God restores us, he takes us from a place that's broken down sees the beauty for which he made us, how it was supposed to happen, and then brings us to that purpose. And then when we're restored, we actually can be a blessing. We can be put to the purpose and put to the use that God made us for. But a lot of times we are broken down. We experience what it's like to be stuck in the unrestored place. I heard a story once that really kind of marked me on this, a simple little story. It was a story I heard another pastor tell about coming to a new church. And he 
He came to a new church, and he was meeting people, getting to know people, figuring out how stuff worked. And people kept saying, have you met George yet? Have you met George yet? He's like, who's this George? You got to meet George. And they're like, man, George, he's been here for a long time. George is part of the heart and soul of this church. Always faithful, always steady, Mr. Reliable. Can't wait till you meet George. Finally, it didn't take too long. He finally meets George, and he found out everybody was right. George was totally reliable, always there, always the same. You could always count on him. He was just as angry as he was 30 years ago when he first showed up, right? Still bitter, never changes, every bit as unforgiving as he was decades before when he first started going to church. Bummer, right? Nobody wants to beat George. You don't want to show up every Sunday, sit in these rows, sit in the pews you're sitting in, sit in front of the computer screen you're sitting in, and just week after week, year after year, just stay stuck. I don't want to live like that. Still dealing with all the anger that has bondage over us that we had at the beginning. Struggle with lust or greed or unforgiveness. That's not what we want for ourselves. And the truth is, it's not what God wants for you either. When we read about Jesus' call to discipleship, about Jesus' invitation to him, we can read it in the way that he called his first disciples with the same invitation that he speaks to your heart and mine right now. Jesus came up to some fishermen on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he said, come follow me. Like, I'm going to lead you to a different place. You'll start here, but follow me to a different place. And sometimes that meant an actual different physical location he was leading them to. But also come follow me in the way of life. Learn my patterns of life. Learn to know God as I know God. Learn my rhythms and pattern of relationship. Jesus didn't say, hey, come and, well, actually don't. Just sit there. That's good. Come follow me. I'll take you to a new place. There's a, a, a verse that one of Jesus' very influential first followers wrote, a guy by the name of Paul. He was an apostle. Apostle is a fancy word for being sent out. An apostle is sent out with the word. One place the apostle Paul was sent out long ago was to the ancient city of Corinth. And the letters that Paul wrote to some of the churches he started have made it into the New Testament of the Christian Bible. To the Corinthians, he said, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That if we're in Christ, we get to share in the experience of new creation, of being made new again, as God meant for us to be in the first place. But we often don't experience that. Or we experience that in a very limited way. We go, where's the new creation? Why is new creation not happening in my life? Why not? We want it. God wants us for it. God wants it for us. Where do we go from here? Well, I want to tell you a story. A story about an encounter that Jesus had in his life. It's a story about Jesus having a a literal mountaintop experience. He was up on a hilltop along with some of his very closest followers. And they had this spiritual revelatory moment where God worked in a powerful, visible way in Jesus' life for his closest followers to see, this is my son. This is the one you should follow. And Jesus and these very few inner circle disciples come down from the mountain into chaos Do you ever have those moments where things seem like they're going right and you enter into chaos? And Jesus came down from the mountain and he finds some people arguing and fighting. He encounters a man and his son. And this man is desperate because his son is hurting. If you're you're a parent or you know parents or you know kids, you know when your children are hurting, it pushes you, right? 
And so this man has a son who's suffering. And from time to time, his son, his son in life actually can't speak. He's got some sort of affliction that won't allow him to form speech. And from time to time, he'll just pass out. And he'll just go rigid and fall down. And a lot of times, he would fall down into the fire that was burning. Just imagine the panic the parents are having. Falls on the fire. Sometimes they, they live there along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's where this story takes place. Or where many of Jesus' followers actually even grew up where it's native for them. And sometimes he'd just fall down in the water. Maybe the Sea of Galilee. Maybe somewhere else. And be in danger of drowning. And the father says, sometimes it's like there's a spirit that's taking, taken over him. And it's trying to kill him. And I need help for him. And this father had brought his son to the people who were followers of Jesus. He came looking for Jesus because he knew he'd heard that Jesus restores people. That Jesus heals what's broken in people. Jesus mends relationships and mends people. He came looking for Jesus. But at that moment, Jesus wasn't accessible. He was off and he found some of Jesus' other disciples. And he said, well, maybe you can help. You know how to do what Jesus does. Can you help? But nothing they couldn't help, and he was frustrated, and he was angry. And the father said when he saw this frustrating guy, what's going on? And so he told him the story of how desperate he was, how much he wanted healing and restoration for his son, how he came to the disciples of Jesus, and, and there was no restoration happening. It, it sort of strikes me for a second that that's almost like what we experience. We're around other followers of Jesus. We go to church, but the restoration isn't happening, and it's frustrating, Right? And so he tells Jesus, could you help me? Would you do this if you can? Help me if you can. And Jesus, that's sort of my favorite stories where Jesus is like, what? If you can? <laughs> Didn't you come here looking for me? Everything's possible for him who believes. And then this is actually the part of the story I really love. The guy goes, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Man, that's realistic, isn't it? Do you, ever, do you ever live there where you're like, I, I believe, I want it to be true, I trust that it's true, oh, but now I don't, <laughs> right? This is wavering from moment to moment. Maybe it's even in the same moment and part of you is confident, part of you doubts. It, we're, it's, it's a challenge, right? It's a, it's a struggle. This guy's so honest. I wish we could all be as honest and authentic when we talk about our faith and talk about our life with people. We are growing in community in this series that we would let our guard down and be vulnerable with one another and say, this is how it really is with me. I'm a hero of faith. Oh man, I don't have any faith at all. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, just, just be honest about where we are. And Jesus hears his answer and then he, he hears his faith and his unbelief and he performs a healing. He performs an act of restoration for this man's son. And he gives him his hand and lifts him up and restores him to health. He goes from a place where he's really stuck to a place where Jesus brought healing into his life. Now, in your worship bulletin this morning, if you have this in our traditional service or here, it's also downloadable for those of you who are online. You've got a study guide. Would you take the study guide out right now that's in your worship bulletin? There's some notes on the front. And so I know some of you are note takers. This will help you learn from this passage this morning. Others of you, you could just fake if writing will make me feel better. If you're not really a note taker, that's okay. So there's a study guide in there. And on the front, there's some things we learned from this story. And the first one is you can fill in the blank that we experience and the word you're looking for there is brokenness. Or maybe you want to write frustrating, persistent brokenness, right? We're stuck. We're not restored. It can be a cycle sometimes. And the second thing we see in the story, no blank to fill in on this one, is that we can't always fix that ourselves. Because if we could have, we would have. And that's part of the problem is we've tried and we've tried and we're so frustrated that it doesn't get any better. And we see that already in our story is we can't fix it ourselves. We experience brokenness. We can't fix it ourselves. 
But the third thing that we see in this story that we're encouraged to remember in the story is that Jesus can restore us when we believe it and when at the same time we say, oh man, help my unbelief. When we're in that place, it doesn't depend on our power. It depends on the power of Jesus to restore us. And what I'd like to do here, and keep your study guide out because this part is on there too, is introduce to you a model, a little visual image that we're gonna be using today and throughout the course of this long journey together. A little model for understanding how Jesus' work of restoration happens in our lives. The first thing that's important to understand is that the major agent of restoration, of life transformation in our lives is not you, but it's the Holy Spirit of God, right? It's the very presence of God among us. It's the Holy Spirit who restores us, who brings healing in our lives, right? And we saw that when Jesus came to be present, he brought healing. At the end of Jesus' life on this earth, he ascended to heaven. He wasn't gonna be physically present with his first disciples or with us any longer, but he said, I'll still be with you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And Jesus, the Bible says, breathed his spirit on them. One of my favorite studies of the Holy Spirit in the Bible has this title for the book. It's called God's Empowering Presence. I understand that the Holy Spirit can seem like this mysterious thing, like there's this ghost operating in your life or something. Like, what's that all about? When I, when I just need a real simple way to think about it, I just think about it that way. God's Empowering Presence. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to create restoration, new creation, healing, and life in us. The Holy Spirit drives this process and creates restoration in our lives. But I think that we can posture ourselves. We can position ourselves in ways, in one of two ways. In ways that are cooperative with the work of God's presence in our lives and ways that are uncooperative with God's presence in our lives. Now, I'll be authentic with you. I'm a parent. I've seen cooperative and I've seen uncooperative, right? There are times when I, I want to see good things happen in the life of my kids and they'll cooperate with me and usually better things come. And other times, once a year, once every couple years, okay, all right, thanks for laughing, appreciate that. There will be uncooperative, right? And then it's so much harder to see good things happen. When we put ourselves in a position of being cooperative, of working along with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the first way we can do that is by learning the teaching of Jesus. You see it on the triangle up there on our slide, and that's the first point on your outline there. We can learn the teaching of Jesus. This means learning the scriptures, learning the Bible, learning the story that Jesus is a part of. And throughout this journey, we'll do that in a number of ways. We're gonna learn from the scriptures here in our worship services. We're gonna, we're gonna study the scriptures in our community groups. And there are some individual practices of Bible reading that I'll recommend to you in just a few minutes. But we need to take some of our messed, messed up ideas about life and God and relationship and trade those out for the imagination and truth and teaching of Jesus. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit creates new life in us is when we are renewed in our minds by the teaching of Jesus. I wanna give you one verse that's kind of a theme verse for this. It comes from the book of Romans in the New Testament. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Right? Don't be stuck in unrestored. There's a lot of that out there. Don't be conformed to that. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We wanna invite the work of the Holy Spirit into our lives to transform us by the renewing of our minds, learning the teaching of Jesus. All right, that's the first thing, we wanna learn the teaching of Jesus. Second way that we can be cooperative with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is through Christian community, through Christian community. When I think about my life, about 
what spiritual growth has happened in my life, usually the moments or periods or turning points in my own life have personal names attached to them, right? God has worked in my life through other people. It, Mark invited me to a small group where I first met Jesus in a living way years ago. Jerry taught me to understand what the gospel was and how good God's grace was for my life. Bill taught me to be a pastor years and years ago. I could give you more and more. My own community that I'm a part of right now teaches me about grace and growth and relationship. My marriage with Amy teaches me about grace and patience because I see it in her. It's relationships, right? Christian community, God works by his empowering presence, by his Holy Spirit, to restore us. And I want to encourage you to take next steps in Christian community. Some of you are in friendships or family relationships where now is the time to take a risk and be a little bit more vulnerable and be honest and invite help and observe what God is doing in somebody else and be cooperative with whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in those relationships. Many of you are in community groups. Hundreds of you are in community groups as part of our church. And I want to invite you in those groups to engage in those groups and to allow God to work through those relationships to help restore our lives. If you're not in a group yet, maybe this, is, maybe this is a time where you want to take a next step and join a community group where you're going to be engaged with the Bible passages and the relationships and the community and the messages that are part of this journey that we're sharing as a church family for the next months of 2016. If you want to be a part of a community group and you're not yet, there's a table out in our church lobby today where you can go and ask questions and sign up and find a group or say that, hey, me and two of my friends, we want to start a group. We'd invite some other people in if you want. There's a there's uh, some of the leaders of our community group ministry out there. They'd love to help you. And as you heard, if you're here this morning in our announcements, we're also even going to pilot just something even lower risk than that. During the Sundays of February, there's a four-week discussion group that's going to be led right here on Sunday mornings. You can go at 1030. You guys are 9 o'clock worshipers, so this is real easy for you. You don't have to switch services. Come to worship. Go to a group at 1030. Some of our community group leaders will be leading that. I want to invite you to take a step in Christian community and be restored by the work of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing on the triangle here, the third way we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit is through soul training exercises. Soul training. All right, that may be a new term to some of you. Training. Think about, you can put the word training, or if you like exercise, you can put exercise in that blank too. That's just fine. Let me ask you a question about training. How many of you, if you were going to run a marathon, and I know a lot of you are like, why would I do that? (laughs) If, If you were going to run a marathon... How many of you would just, you know, lace up the shoes, step out the front door, and run to Shakopee, right? Would anybody? Probably not, right? By the way, I looked it up. It's 26 miles to Shakopee from here, all right? I put Edina in first. It's amazing how close Edina is. I just I didn't think it was that close. So probably not. How many of you, if you wanted to learn a foreign language, maybe you want to learn to speak French, you would open your mouth and expect fluent French to come flowing out from your lips if you don't know it already. No cheating French speakers out there, right? No, right, we practice, right? If we want to grow in the life that God offers us in Christ, if we want to grow in listening to the Holy Spirit and being cooperative with the Holy Spirit, why should we expect to be heroes of holiness and spiritual maturity the first time it occurs to us that we'd like our lives to be different? I don't think that makes sense. I think that the Holy Spirit works in our lives and we can practice listening to the Spirit. And so in your study guide that you're holding in your hand right now and every single week throughout this series, you're gonna find a section right in the front that says soul training exercises. And these are just little exercises that you can do each day. There'll be a new one every week, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, as much time as you want, that'll help you practice listening to the Holy Spirit. That'll help you practice listening for what God, paying attention to what God is doing in your life. 
Because the goal is we want to live lives that are responsive to God's empowering presence in our lives every day, all day, all throughout our lives. So let's practice. We'll lace up our shoes. We'll go for a run around the block. We'll, we'll practice, right? And then hopefully be able to learn to be attentive to what God is doing in our lives. Each week you'll see two things there. One will be something unique to the theme of that week. And the other one are just some recommended daily Bible readings. We've put together just a general set of readings that'll guide you through one of the life stories of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark all throughout this journey so that, so that in just a regular way you can be sustained by the teaching of Jesus in your own life. These are, this diagram that I'm giving you right now comes from a book. And I want to just tell you about that for a second. It comes from a book that's called The Good and Beautiful God. Now, I've been thinking about, I've been praying about, I've been wanting to do a series very much like this for quite a while and just wasn't quite sure how I wanted to do it. And then about, oh gosh, almost nine months ago, maybe seven, nine months ago, I was visiting another church. It was actually the church that our intern pastor, Danny Householder, comes from, Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines. And they had this book on display. And I thought, boy, that looks interesting. I've been thinking about something like that. And I kind of flipped through it and then fired up my trusty Amazon app and ordered some books and read through them and like, yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that I've been planning. And so it's actually part of a three-book series, The Good and Beautiful God, The Good and Beautiful Life, and The Good and Beautiful Community. And we're using some of the ideas from those books to help strengthen our journey together. The journey we're taking, the series we're in, isn't a book study. You don't have to read that book. I'm not preaching from that book. If you read it, you might find that it's better and you wish I were preaching from that book. That's not what we're doing, though. We're going to be learning from the Bible itself when we're here. That's the book we're learning from. We're going to learn from the teaching of Jesus. But those of you who are readers, uh, if you like additional resources, you might want to pick up a copy of that. We've got some of them uh, in supply here this morning. You can stop at the front desk and buy a copy. Uh, we did get a little bit of a limited supply, and we got more coming. So if we run out, more will be there. And that three-book series has given us the structure of how we're going to proceed here in the first half of 2016. We're going to learn to be restored in our image of God. We're going to learn about the good and beautiful God. The first thing that needs to be restored in our lives is to know what God is like. Because a lot of us form pictures of God that are honestly a big part of what's holding us back. And in the second part of the series, we're going to learn about the good and beautiful life. And how it is that God's empowering presence transforms our character and our habits and our attitudes and our actions. Once we've learned to know God, we'll be ready to do that. And then we're going to learn about sharing life together in the good and beautiful community. That's the direction that we're going. I want to finish by just sharing a real quick story with you. And it's actually not a very spectacular story, and that's kind of why I chose it. It's a story that you'll find if, if you read the book. You don't have to. I'll share this one with you for free. It's in the introduction to that book. And it's a story about a guy at another church. Actually, the, the church where these books were written, the author of these books is a professor and a Christian leader, and he tried this out in their church. And Craig participated in the journey that they were a part of. And said so Craig's a pretty normal church-going guy. He's got a job, he's a fairly successful businessman and he travels a lot for his work. Every once in a while he has to travel internationally and on one business trip he traveled to Germany. I love traveling to Germany, sounds like a great trip. He's on his way back and he flies through the Atlanta airport. Now I actually just booked a trip through the Atlanta airport and on the email I got it says, be aware the Atlanta airport is very busy. You might want to plan an extra hour or two to get through TSA at the Atlanta airport. So he has to fly back to the Atlanta airport. And he gets back and they get through whatever they got to go through, he and a business partner, and they get to their gate and they see their flights delayed. That's really frustrating. And if you ever travel internationally, you come back onto U.S. soil, you'll think, man, it's just like I'm almost there. Could I just get home? I'm so tired of being on the road. And so nerves are frayed and he gets there and they get to the gate and the flight is delayed. 
and it says, you know, it's one of those like 30 minute delays or maybe whatever it is, and you always know it's gonna be way longer. They're just giving you that for a little while, right? And then they come back on, and it's delayed more, two hour delay. Eventually the flight's canceled, but it took so long to cancel the flight that all the rest of the flight's home or they're not available anymore. And Craig and his buddy who've been traveling internationally aren't gonna make it home anymore, nor are the other people who are waiting on this flight. You've been in airports, right? Not always the happiest places on earth. People are all mad. They, they line up to see the gate agent to get their flight rebooked, and they're all mad, and the gate agent obviously is just an idiot for not getting this all figured out because she was the one that was going to fly the plane and taxi it and everything. So they're taking it out on her, one after another after another. But the people are like that. We're like people are like that in airports especially, it seems like. And so finally Craig gets to the front of the line, and he looks at this poor woman who's standing behind the counter, and he goes, I'm not going to yell at you. <laughs> I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm sorry. And they figure out the details, and they book the flight, and he and his friend walk back down the concourse to whatever flea bag motel they're able to put up in that night. And his buddy says to him, he's like, Craig, what? You're a different guy. Like a year ago, you would have lit into that woman. What's up? And his friend explained to him, Craig explained to him, about the journey that he'd been on, learning to know what God is like, what the character of God is like, and how we reflect the character of God learning about a good and beautiful God, learning to live a good and beautiful life, and learning to live life together in a good and beautiful community. It, and what Craig did on that day was he did not launch an orphanage in a third world country. He didn't start something that was ever gonna be on TV, right? He, he just took a step in his journey. He just began to be restored. He began to be restored. And piece by piece, person by person, step by step, church by church, begin to reweave the fabric of the community and the society that we live in so that our lives are restored to be what God made them to be and we make a different impact on the people around us. And it's a journey. His journey, your journey, my journey, like everybody's journey, starts with a single step. We've talked about the ways that we can take steps, be cooperative with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to be here in worship, to learn the teaching of Jesus in a group or individually, to join in Christian community, to practice in soul training exercises. Every journey begins with a step. We're on a journey together. I wanna to invite you to take the one that God's putting in front of you. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God of incredible grace and you do meet us right in the midst of our broken messes. We thank you for your mercy and your love. And God, we pray for your healing in our lives, that you would meet us right where we are and take us where you want us to go. Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you would come into our lives, make us more aware of your presence, do your work in us, teach us to listen to you, help us practice hearing your voice and putting one foot in front of the other and walking it out in life. God, I pray that your spirit would be here with us and empower us in this journey that we take together, that you would indeed give us what the scriptures call and the life that is truly life. And we love you, we pray you do your work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.